Can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Are you tired of the partisan politics? Do you want to hear the news without the media narrative? Do you want to get to know and learn from noted entrepreneurs, elected officials, economists, and more? Well, look no further. You're in the right place. Yes, I am your humble host, and I am Brian Nichols here, and you are a part of The Brian Nichols Show, and guys, you are in store for another, yes, phenomenal episode of The Brian Nichols Show, as today we are joined by the man, the myth, the legend, and that is one presidential candidate, Dan Taxation is Theft Berman, and of course, Dan is joining us here on The Brian Nichols Show today to discuss his candidacy for the Libertarian presidential nomination, but also we get to discuss, yes, of course, the big yellow hat, and that really interesting uh, three-word phrase, Taxation is theft. Is it theft? Well, Dan's here to tell us uh, exactly his thoughts on that and more. So, without further ado, on to the show. Dan, Taxation is Theft Berman here on The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, sir. Yes, I did meet you when you were on a debate there um, on The Exchange, and it was uh, myself and Kevin Warmhold, who uh, he is the, the leader over at The Exchange, and we were co-moderating the debate, and I had the chance to uh, get to, to actually meet you for the first time, and I was actually, I guess I said this was Sam Robb, uh, as close to, I guess, meeting you as I, I possibly can right now in the situation <laughs> we're in. Um, so so anyways, Dan, it was it was great to, uh, to number one, get to see you, um, you know, as you were kind of explaining your views there versus the other Libertarian candidates, but... Obviously, post uh, post debate, I got to hook up with a lot of you guys afterwards to uh, get you on the show, and I think it's a great chance for you to kind of expand beyond, um, you know, maybe the uh, the confines of a libertarian debate where you're focusing more specifically on issues. And I really want to get to know the candidates as you know, as as people. So I, I always find that you know it's easier to vote for someone if you're able to kind of empathize with them on a human to human basis. So with that being said, let's kind of start here. I would love the chance for you to number one introduce yourself to the audience and maybe explain kind of your path to. Uh, to liberty, but also kind of discuss uh, your your experience in the private sector and you know kind of your experience that you've built up along the years that you've uh, taken now to to maybe transition towards a more political adventure and obviously running for the libertarian nomination to be president of the United States. Um, okay, the short answer is yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean it's it's been uh, <laughs> that's that's a big question, and it's been a really long and winding path for me. Um, I, I feel like a lot of my views I was kind of born with, um, and I've, I've always had it in my blood. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot that I learned and a lot of, um, of views that I changed on. So, um, I, I grew up in Los Angeles, which obviously is a blue state. Um, I, I had, um, lots of, um, uh, Democrat influences, let's say, um, I was, a, I was afraid of guns. Um, because of, you know, and it, you know, not just the Democrats, but the dare program and, and all these other things, which oh, yeah. was absolute propaganda. I mean, I remember, um, you know, I remember being afraid of like, oh, guns will go off even if they're not loaded. Um, like really? that kind of thing, <laughs> like that, that, this is like the, you know, what we had in our head and, and, um, 
Uh, and then, of course, as far as rights, oh, the, well, you know, we don't have any or we have we have whatever it says in the Constitution, but whatever the government tells us is exceptions to all of that, wh- whichever the schools tell us is exceptions to all that. Um, that's that's the word of God. We must believe everything that, that our teachers say. So when the when the dare officers come in and say, yeah, if you ever get arrested, don't ask for a lawyer because that makes you look guilty. That was like, oh, well, I, I mean, wow. I guess he's a police officer. That's got to be good advice. Right. Um, so. So, yeah. So like um that was that was kind of the thing and i kind of took that as you know for granted and um later on i i wanted to be an entrepreneur um i started you know i started a business building websites um when i was a teenager um i learned programming video production and and you know as i got a little bit older i, I tried getting more into that and every time i turned around there was always like oh yeah you got to pay your taxes and and people asking for tax forms from me and everything and i was working under the table a lot um but uh you know it it it, i started questioning like wait wait uh, fill out tax forms well i guess that's okay but then then what and then it started getting into this complicated labyrinth of um you know especially if you're doing your own taxes right because you're you're not withholding so so first you have to figure out all these forms and everything. Then you have to pay some some accountant to do your stuff. And then at the end of the year, you get hit with this huge bill that you have to you have to write a check to the IRS, which, you know, as a teenager, that money's already spent <laughs> by yep. the end of the year. Um, so it, so it was just kind of like, nah, nah, screw that. Um, and uh, and then, you know, 2008 came around. I was actually looking at, you know, uh, you know, well, I want to I want to figure out how to make some good money here. Um, and real estate was a good option that was on the table. And, and, um, and I started looking into that and, and the prices were just so expensive. I was like, I'll never be able to afford anything. And then I started going to these banks and, and I'm, I'm kind of a math nerd, right? So these banks were like, oh yeah, yeah, we'll give you this interest only loan. And, and you know, it's amazing. It's, it's like this, you're going to get a million dollar house and you're only going to pay like a thousand dollars a month. And I'm like, how the hell does that work? <laughs> that math doesn't add up. <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting there doing the math and I'm like, okay, on a, on a 30 year loan, if I pay if I pay this for 30 years, that's, that, that doesn't come up to anywhere near a million dollars. How do you make money? <laughs> and, right. uh, and they weren't even like, even asking those questions, they really, they weren't really forthcoming with that, but eventually they were like, oh yeah. So at the end of seven years, if you can't afford the bigger payments that kick in, you can just sell the house. Well, ah. of course I would, I would have totally lost my ass, but yep. that's what they were telling people. And so, um, luckily I, I didn't, buy any real estate. Um, I didn't buy into one of those loans and the market crashed and, and, but it really did, uh, open my eyes to economics. That's kind of when I started learning about Ron Paul, um, and, uh, and a bunch of other things. And then at that point, my, uh, my wife had, um, my wife now, my girlfriend at the time had an opportunity to move to Texas and I had been to Texas a few times. So I was like, yeah, I like Texas. Let's go. And, um, we just packed up, moved out there and, um, I, I started, you know, looking for business opportunities there, uh, doing doing what I knew how to do, uh, some coding, some video editing, video production, and uh, I, I came across some very interesting people, um, especially trying to do, you know, some documentaries from from all of the things that I had learned. Um, you know, let, let me do some documentaries. Let me expose some government corruption, and I I made some really great friends um, with some really interesting people. Some of them were lawyers. Um, and, and one of my friends, really great guy was, you know, he's, he's a Texas lawyer. He's, he's got, you know, a ranch. He invited me out for Thanksgiving. Let's go shoot some guns. So that kind of got me over my fear of guns that I've had living in California for so long. Um, (laughs) and now I'm a total gun nut (laughs) and he, he always makes fun of me. He's like, man, when I first met Dan, 
he he was a he was afraid to shoot a, a, a little 22 now he's got like these these like these like automatic 12 gauge i, I bought a saiga 12 he's like he's got he's got all this he's got all that um he's like he's like a total gun nut now um yeah that's what texas will do to you but uh so so yeah that was kind of like my and then from there i i i know i'm turning this into a really long story but like i i i met the libertarians i got politically involved i ran for the texas house of representatives um i got a 23 percent in a in a two-way race which i think was pretty good and uh i just like the the responses i got from people in doing that because i'm one of those you know i I hate to use the p word but i'm one of those politicians who actually listens to people (laughs) and um and uh so you know the the feedback that i got from people is that they were like really just like thankful that i was out there taking a stand and making my voice heard with some of these issues that that they they absolutely felt like they were on the same side of but there wasn't anybody outspoken enough for them to go support and they were afraid to like stand up and say something themselves for the for the fear that you know the government's going to come down on them for speaking out um and so uh so that kind of inspired me to figure out okay how do i go bigger how do i go bigger um i tried to get more involved with the libertarian party but i think there's they're they're involved more in the political process than the actual spreading of information process which is which is really what inspires me or really what vo- motivates mm-hmm. me Um, and so I was like, okay, well, um, but I do want to work with them. There are a lot of great people there. So that's kind of how I said, okay, well, I'm going to run for president. Um, and, and even now, um, we're inadvertently getting our message all over the world. People have reached out to me from, from, I don't know how many, like 20 or 30 countries around the world, um, on every continent and, you know, Hey, can you come on my podcast? Can you help spread? Can you come here and visit and, and spread some information? So, um, and I've done some traveling with that and I want to do some more after this campaign, but, uh, you know, because of that, this has really turned into like an international movement. So, uh, running for president is one small thing and, uh, it's, you know, we're, I'm, I'm going to, this is, this is my passion. Um, I'm not in this for money. I have kind of like my side businesses. I have my day job as a, as a software engineer for a pretty big corporation, um, that, that actually pays really well, which is how I fund all this stuff. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, this is, this is where my passion is and and this is what I want to be doing. So, Mm um, uh, yeah, I say, <laughs> I'm well, going to be doing say, this till the day I die. You say passion. I mean, man, you, you changed your name to Dan Taxationist Theft Berman. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I'm, I, I want to dig into that. But also, I mean, you're also well known for wearing, you know, the, the, the big yellow liber- uh, you know, libertarian taxationist theft hat as well. So that that obviously has become part of like the persona, the, the, the caricature that you play, right. you know, the Dan Taxationist Theft Berman. Where did that all kind of come from? So um, that came from. Uh, okay. Let's see. I'm going to go back to 2016 um, at the convention in Orlando, and it was uh, Gary Johnson versus John McAfee. John McAfee was the guy I was supporting, um, and there were a couple others. And um, you know, I had uh, at that point, I was like, okay, you know, I, I like Gary Johnson. Uh, I supported him in 2012. I, I kind of like the guy. He's okay. Um, he wasn't my favorite. But whenever I joked around, I had these little fake hundred dollar bills that you leave on the ground and. People pick it up like, oh, it's a folded up hundred dollar bill and they open it up and it's like, oh, no, it says taxation is theft on the inside. Um, and so I gave one of these to Gary and I guess I guess I let him I, I, I broke his hopes because I was playing with his emotions because he thought it was a hundred dollar donation and then he <laughs> opened it up. But whatever it was, he was like he was pissed off about it. He didn't see any humor in it. 
Um, and I kind of knew he didn't support taxation as theft, but I was like, okay, I'll let that slide. He's an incremental change from what we've got. And, uh, but then, you know, and I was like, I was like, okay, if he wins, I'll support him. But, and then he got the nomination and I was still even thinking like, ah, okay. And he barely squeaked by. He got like 50.1% of the nomination of, of the votes to, to win the nomination. And he gets up there and he makes his nomination speech. And I'm still like, eh, kind of disappointed McAfee didn't get it, but I'll support this guy. I'll support this guy. And then he gets up and he makes this big speech. Thank you so much for voting for me. And then he starts saying all these things. And then he says, and taxation is theft. And I was like, dude, that's you. That's just a bold faced lie. Um, Because I know you don't believe in that. So at that moment, I was just like, I was kind of crushed, but I was like, man, screw this. Um, I started walking around the convention and I, I asked everybody is taxation theft. And it was literally right down the middle as if the people who said um, who said, yes, taxation is theft were the people who voted for anyone but Gary. And then the people who, for some reason, I don't know what what, um, uh, you know, what uh, language um, club they what speaking club they go to. But um, all together. But for some reason, it was never a no. It was always a well, it, it always started out like that for some reason. Um, and, and I felt like those were all the people who and actually I asked a lot of them. Those were all the people who voted for Gary Johnson. So I was like, OK, this is interesting. So this was 2016. 2018 was coming around and I was like, I want to make sure that everybody knows this is the party for taxation is theft. If you believe in taxation is theft, you're in the right place. If you don't, you either need to learn it or make space for everyone else. And so I, I bought a table at the convention and I just started like, um, I mean, I started with T-shirts and hats, but I, I was like, I want everything here to say taxation is theft on it. Um, I got my own. Um, I had my black suit with a with a yellow, black and yellow taxation is theft tie, a pocket square, um, you know, all this stuff. And then I was like, I was like, what can I what can I top this off off with? And I was like, I need a big yellow hat that says taxation is theft on it. So um, that's kind of what it was. And it worked so well at the convention. It, it was received so well. Um, so many people like, cause I'm, I'm kind of an introvert to begin with. Um, but I, I left that convention knowing just about everybody because everyone wanted to come and talk to me just because of the hat. Um, <laughs> so, so that was really amazing. You're the taxation uh, is theft vermin supreme. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, um, yeah, it, it really was amazing. And the funny thing was, which was actually quite relieving, is when I I mean, I would walk there were there were a, a dozen people that every time I would walk by them, they would just get so excited. They would say hi and wave and, and you know, and everything. And um, and every time like I, I've walked past them like 10 times. But then when I was, you know, at, at the end of the night. Um, I put the hat away. I just changed into plain clothes. I'm walking around the convention. You know, I had to Xerox stuff, ship stuff, all this other stuff. And I walked past those same people and I looked right at them and they didn't even recognize me. No, so (laughs) it was it was really because like I'm you know, I'm not like I I don't like this whole idea of like celebrity and all this other stuff. So I was like, oh, this is actually quite relieving because now I'm not you know, I'm not being surrounded by people who like keep want to talking when I when uh, keep wanting to talk while I've got all this other business to take care of. So that was really interesting. 
you 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 get the chance to like turn it on and turn it off, uh, which right. which must be like it, it is nice because I mean it's almost like going in and out of character as as somebody in theater, like, let's say. But like when you're out of character, people still will come up to you and be like, "Oh my God, you're Robert Downey Jr." It's it's like, uh, well, you right. can't really be a normal person. Whereas you know, in our celebritarian worlds that exist in our libertarian circles, like for you, it must be nice because you can again, like kind of like Vermin can take the boot off his head, but he can't get rid of the big bushy beard. Like Vermin's kind of you know he's Vermin. right. <laughs> well. And and here's the other thing. I don't know if I did this again at the at the 2020 convention. I don't know how well that would work because I think a lot of people have gotten to know me by now. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting. We'll, so we'll have to see. I was going to say. So obviously that's partly why I want to have you on because you're going to the 2020 convention as one of the candidates. Um, now actually seeking the nomination to be uh, the libertarian presidential candidate. So it's you versus a slew of other candidates. And I've tried to have as many candidates as I could possibly have in the show. Um, so I've had people from, you see, Justin Amash, Adam Kokesh, uh, now yourself, Mark Whitney's airing uh, early next week, um, Sam Robb, Joe Jorgensen, uh, Jacob Hornberger. I mean, there are so many candidates that are running for the nomination that I think sometimes it's hard for the, the delegates or hard for people who are in the libertarian circles to really break down who it is that they should possibly consider to vote for. So let's kind of take a moment, you know, to, to give you a chance, Dan, to say, you know, why why should it be Dan Taxationist Theft Berman? Why would you be the best face for the Libertarian Party, not only for electoral success, but also to bring people into the movement? Right. So I think since the beginning of this um, of this race, that's been one of the focuses. Um, and I know we've we've suffered at the hands of of doing the right thing. When we're spending our time and energy um, campaigning outside of the Libertarian Party instead of inside of the Libertarian Party. So, um, you know, we haven't been directing our message towards delegates, which is what the other candidates have been doing. And and the reason is we want to prove that we actually can take this libertarian message and we can get it to resonate with people who are on the far left and the far right. So we've gone directly after people on the far left and the far right. Mm -hmm. We've got some of the some of the most socialist Bernie Sanders, Andrew Yang supporting people to come around and say, yeah, I get it. Taxation is theft. I want to be a libertarian. We've gotten some of the like craziest hardcore Trump supporters to say, yeah, you know what? Maybe Trump's not really all that pro freedom. Uh, I, I like this guy. And we've been able to pull those people together. And the plans that we've been pushing forward actually benefit both of those people. So we've been like really analyzing what it is, you know, people are looking for, why people are voting. Um, the, the, the libertarians, a lot of them seem to think that there's, you know, there's, there's this voting block that's 40% uh, who don't vote, who could vote. And those are people who just hate government. And so therefore we need to get that, that block to vote and we'll win. Um, but the truth is, no, those people are just apathetic. They have no trust in the system. They don't believe anything's ever going to work. And they're probably never going to vote for a libertarian just because they don't like voting. Um, and they think it's a waste of time, a waste of energy. Uh, you might get 10 or 20 percent of them, but you're not going to get the whole thing. Um, and so but the but if you look at the Democrats and Republicans, they have if you stop if you stop focusing on like, oh, they just want socialism or they just want conservatism or or nationalism. If you if you stop focusing on that and you start digging a little bit deeper, you find out they have they have the same real needs as everybody else. They have a sick grandmother who who um, they can't afford the, the medical bills and they, they want that problem solved. Um, 
They don't have they're worried about paying their rent and there's not a lot of jobs out there or not a lot of well-paying jobs. So they're worried that, you know, foreigners are going to come and take their jobs. They have valid concerns. Um, And our job is to say, okay, look, forget about all the propaganda, all the fake solutions, all the political lies you've been told over the past 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And let me offer a solution to your problem that does not involve more government and more taxes. And this approach has worked really well and it's gotten people to understand that the jobs problem, it's not just a jobs problem. There's the individual debt, 87% of America is in debt. Um, we're, we're all renting. Even if you paid off your house, um, you're still renting it from the government through property tax. You're not getting to keep everything that you earn, which makes it more difficult for you to pay off your debts. Um, and so, uh, and, and this actually leads me to uh, the the key point of our platform right now, which is the new American dream. And it, it basically solves all that. It says, we're gonna get America out of debt. We're gonna turn renters into owners. Um, and you know, we're, we're going to fix a lot of these problems so that we're not dependent on an economy. Because you know, the, the stock market was at all time highs, unemployment was at all time lows, and then this virus came around. And what it proved to us is, yeah, the economy was growing, but it wasn't built on a, on a stable foundation. And so when it was pulled out from under us, now we're all we're all treading water just to keep our heads above. And this is not a sustainable system for us to live in because ultimately um, robotics are going to replace a lot of jobs. Um, you know, all, all these things are going to happen. Things are going to change. Business evolves. Businesses go under because new technology replaces it. Things are always going to be changing. And if our entire survival is dependent on keeping a job to work for somebody else, it's, it's just not sustainable. And, and, and that's the system that most of us grew up in, but it really doesn't need to be the system that we live in. So, Hmm. um, so, so that's the new American dream, but it goes back to, we're going to solve this problem for all of these people, um, that, that have different concerns, but they all kind of, they're all, those concerns are all built on top of the same problem. And, um, in doing so, um, you know, this is, this is, like I said, our, our campaign is reaching out outside of the libertarian party and we're proving that we can get people who are far left and far right to adopt libertarian principles and libertarian policies. So with that, we are, we are taking this message and, and we've been doing this outside of the party, but not inside of the party because a lot of the people inside of the party are more concerned with ballot access and all these other things. And it's really just a waste of energy, which is unfortunate for the campaign, because, of course, we're not convincing delegates to vote for us, um, which is which is how the nomination has to be won. But if we were doing that, I really see that that as you know, that would have been a huge waste um, because we still wouldn't know how to communicate and how how to get those votes that we need to really win and how, how to change those hearts and minds mm. to actually bring us into a libertarian society. I mean, I, I'm going to just say, maybe this is like a, a fault of the, the style or not the style, but the, um, the, the way that our election system works in the libertarian party itself. I mean, 
I, I think almost we need to do two things, right? As a candidate, you need the chance to, yes, speak to the delegates, just as, you know, in a primary process with the, the GOP or the Democrats, you have the primary um, process where you're trying to win over the delegates of your respective states, um, and you go state by state through an actual, like, electoral process. Um, but then after you actually secure the nomination, then it's your chance to win over the people, which is, is what you're doing now, you know, reaching out to both the folks more from the traditional left and right that, you know, we find in our American political system. And you know, I think you're, you're having a lot of success in that fight. So maybe it'd make sense instead to maybe have our libertarian presidential nominee, you know, chosen by, you know, 2018's, um, you know, convention or something like that. And then give that candidate two years to, you know, truly build up the, the, the resume to speak to the American people and to, I think, have a, a more ample opportunity versus the other two parties to tell our story, to give them our message and, and to, you know, ultimately hopefully win them over, not only for, you know, that, that one time vote, but to win them over in, in terms of, becoming lifelong libertarians, not only from the, the ideological standpoint, but actually become card-carrying members, I think that's where we'll actually see maybe some success electorally, and again, I'm saying electorally, going from the you know low single digits to maybe actually playing a role in, in you know, getting up to the you know, mid-teens. That would, I think, would be a very big win for the Libertarian Party, because that would show people are getting more and more shall we say, on board with the idea of a third party starting to have more say in American politics. Um, and, you know, we're, we're seeing that right now with Justin Amash. Justin Amash just decided to uh, change his political allegiance from a Republican to an independent and now officially the first sitting uh, third party in the U.S. Uh, House of Representatives as a libertarian. Um, so Justin Amash has become a card-carrying member of the party and now is seeking the nomination to also be the libertarian uh, presidential, no- or yeah, libertarian presidential nominee. So, Dan, now obviously we have um, the big ticket person entering the race. That is a sitting member of Congress who um, back, especially last year, uh, became a national figure when he took a step away from the GOP, quote unquote, declaring his independence from the GOP, uh, but also then saying he was going to look at being um, number one when he was in Congress, being the first sitting U.S. member of the GOP uh, House to consider impeachment against Trump. And then ultimately, when he wasn't independent, uh, starting to be a voice for the impeachment process moving forward. Um, So now we have somebody like that um, who did have that national platform as a candidate. So you've been through this entire, um, you know, this entire delegate process, you know, trying to, to win over the delegates for months now, as have other candidates. And I've, I've heard one, um, you know, one critique about Justin Amash entering the race at this point is that he's entering this race at this point where, um, you know, at this point, our delegation or our delegation is supposed to be meeting in Austin um, at the end of this month, which I know was just postponed. Um, I think they're moving it to an online forum, um, but it is short. It's a short, you know, time frame that he's entered the race. And really, you know, you have candidates like yourself, like Jacob, Hornberger, um, like Joe Jorgensen, who have been in this for a while, um, kind of what's your perspective of Justin Amash entering the race, and is he a welcome addition to the race? Um, and I guess with that, I'll, I'll, I'll turn that over to you. Yes, yeah, so um, as far as him entering, I'm, you know, I'm always happy to, to see more people enter. Um, I've had a, a great run with all the other candidates. Most of us agree on a lot of things. Uh, we're great friends now, and We've mostly been supportive of each other. Uh, there have been a couple that I disagreed with on a couple issues, and we've brought those up. We've talked about them. Um, and what's what really concerns me about Amash is, yes, that he's coming in late, but he hasn't done much with the party before. And he's making it sound like uh, his next his 10 year plan is to come into the Libertarian Party and do something amazing with it. He hasn't had that much communication with the people in the party. And maybe, you know, maybe he's had uh, conversations with um, with the chair or or some other people all the way at the top. But 
that's, you know, I, uh, myself, the other candidates, we know the party. We've been in the party. We know these people. We know what they want. And for him to come in and say he's got these amazing plans and then to look at his platform and the things that he supports and to say, well, that's not libertarian. That's not libertarian. That's not libertarian makes it almost feel like um, we're trying to be infiltrated and taken over um, and turned into just another Republican Party, which uh, is not something that I like. Now, I, I've this is kind of something I've warned against because ultimately um, this is how the party is designed. It's, it's a political system and because of the rules and policies set forth by the government for this to actually act as a, as a um, political system is it has to be open. So even though libertarianism is, you know, let's, let's say, uh, let's just say, for example, uh, communism is completely antithetical to libertarianism. If 10,000 communists got together and said, Hey, you know what? That libertarian party has, um, achieved 50 state ballot access. We want that for our candidate. It would be extremely easy for those 10,000, um, uh, 10,000 communists to go to the correct conventions at the right time and completely take over and get their communist um, uh, uh, candidate the presidential nomination and get them on the ballot in all 50 states. Um, whether or not they win is a completely different issue, but that's that's absolutely possible the way things are set up now. And um, we, we uh, for me, it's just kind of like, hey, I could fight to change that, but this is this is the political system. And I, I understand I'm going to take that for what it is. I'm just going to do whatever I possibly can with within that system. Um, but I think it's something that we should all keep our eyes open for and know that there's always going to be a sheep and a wolf in sheep's clothing that comes around and says, you know, hey, I want to be I want to be at the top of your party. I have these amazing ideas and they're going to lead us in the wrong direction. And I, I think we really need to be careful about that. So, and the reason I'm asking, because I personally, I, I'm actually okay with Amash entering the race, and I understand it is late into the, the race, but the reason I'm okay with it is I, I, looking at, yes, what we're currently facing from the electoral system right now, right? And, and what the reality is, is, is that we need to have the ability to have, I think, Number one, somebody at the front of the party who can talk to an American voter and give some sense of cre credibility and, and to give them a sense that, okay, I'm, if I vote for this person, I'm not, I'm not quote unquote wasting my vote, if you will, because you're actually somebody that is, a, 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 shall we say, a credible person, you know, and, and they're looking at credibility from a standpoint of you have been in office. And in Justin's case, has been in office for around 10 years or so at this point. Um, and, you know, when, when Justin, um, you know, when Justin went into Congress, I mean, Ron Paul was singing his praises and, um, you know, saying you know, he's the, he's going to be the future of the movement and such. And I just I'm, I'm nervous that maybe sometimes we as libertarians in the movement itself have gotten too too focused on the the. <laughs> this is going to come back and bite me in the ass when I say this too focused on the <laughs> principles um, instead of focus on what's the the mission. Right. And, and I'm, I'm just a very mission goal oriented person in my mindset. My mission is to spread liberty and to actually have success in winning people over to our position, much like you're doing right now with reaching out to people on the left and the right, um, but winning them over to our arguments. And I look at somebody like Justin, who maybe he has that sense of, quote unquote, credibility from having that position in electoral politics. But also, I, I'm not nervous about him when he's speaking what it means to be a libertarian on a level that's. Uh, it, it's on a level that the average person can understand. 
I don't worry about him saying it means to be socially liberal and fiscally conservative like Gary Gary did, right? Like, I mean, we know Justin knows the the, the philosophy. I mean, he talks about Hayek every time he's on a podcast. Um, you know, we know he he gets it. And I I'm just I would feel comfortable, right, if if he got the nomination. I wouldn't be as concerned from a quote unquote, you know, principled standpoint of having him as the nominee. So I guess that's maybe why I'm I'm more open to that. So I guess from that perspective, Dan, help help me. I don't say, tell me why I'm wrong, but maybe help me see the other perspective where maybe I'm missing something. Sure. So um, I, I see this going a couple of ways. So first of all, you, you brought up the point of party versus principle. And I think selecting him would be choosing party over principle. Um, and I don't want to argue that point, but that's that's what that is. We've tried that in the past with Gary Johnson. And I know you you pointed out some good arguments why Justin might be better, but We've tried it in the past and it it didn't get us very far. We had that credibility. Maybe we didn't have the right messaging, but we had the credibility. Um, if you look at Amash's platform, there are some things that are going to be absolutely offensive to um, a, a lot of a lot of people um, that are going to alienate them because we have uh, uh, consider this. We have we have so many single issue voters that are going to look at certain things and just say, oh, well, I don't like, you know, uh, maybe maybe they're a a Democrat who's just concerned with with having open borders and sanctuary cities. And they're going to look at his position on the wall and say, oh, he's he's a conservative Republican. I don't want anything to do with him. Um, So I I think that they do that anyways. Like I'm sorry to cut you off, but that's that's my question right there, because, I mean, if we take the principled libertarian approach, right, and we, and we stick to like, let's just say we stick to like the libertarian platform explicitly. I mean, you're going to alienate a lot of pro-life voters because in the libertarian platform, it's explicitly, you know, it should be up to the decision between the mother and the doctor or the mother herself. So like that's a, an, an overtly- I disagree with that. No, because okay. I've 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 talked to to many uh, pro-life and pro-choice people and they're absolutely happy with my position on this, which is um, which is that this is a societal problem and not a government problem. So I, I think it comes down to like we need to we need to just understand that. People have different um, uh, different framings in their minds, and we just need to talk to them more directly and and more um, uh, I guess more under with more understanding of where they're coming from. And when you do this, you can actually get pro-lifers and pro-choicers to support um, just a libertarian like government should have nothing to do with it's it. It's nuance and it's context, right? And I think maybe that's part of the problem with the platform. Then is that the platform has taken such a definitive if you will, definitive position on abortion being an, a decision of choice. I think maybe to, to leave it in a standpoint of, you know, the, the context being this is a societal question and, you know, it, it's it's a, a waging war between what is the question of what is life. And, you know, as that question is discussed and, and you know, science has, you know, advanced and stuff, that will yield a more definitive answer, which I think will err on the side of a defending life. Personally, in my opinion, I think that's where it's going to end up yielding that that route. Um, but, you know, that I think maybe that's a more nuanced approach to the the question versus like this. this it has to be a definitive yes or no, which I know that, may, that maybe is what people are looking for, but it it doesn't help us win people over because that's not that's not the way I think we w- would win people over with an argument in this case. It'd be trying to to give that you know perspective and try to give you know the the context to the conversation versus just asking for that yes no answer. 
Right. Well, and, and I know and a lot of people will absolutely push for that because they want to hear you say I'm pro-life or I'm pro-choice. Um, and, and I've been in that situation. And whenever they push for that, I just tell them I'm neither pro-life or pro-choice. Um, and instead of because in their mind, what they're doing is they're they've got two boxes in their head and they're like, I want to put you in this box or that box. And that's it. And as soon as you're in one box, they don't like anything out of your mouth. Either they're going to agree with it because you're in the right box or they're going to disagree because you're in the wrong box. But if you if you refuse to be to allow them to put you in a box, then in their mind, they're like, wait, wait, wait. OK, I'm, I have to listen to everything that he says and then try to figure out which box to put him in. And when you have that conversation and say and you say things that are so down the middle to say that that government should not be able to use force, but I can understand the concern of people wanting to make their own choices, um, but I can understand the protection of life. And I can understand that there are both there are valid arguments on both sides, but you can't stick me in either box. Then they start thinking like, OK, well, this is this is really interesting. This person's actually thinking about these things and it gets them to think. And, and that's really the whole um, the whole thing here. And so going back to your, your original question of, of, you know, party over principle, if if, um, you know, because you're, you're action oriented, solution oriented, you want to get things done, you want to get you want to get libertarians in office, you want to make things happen. You could do that. But if if you're not changing the minds of the people and you get a libertarian elected, you're either doing it on accident, you're doing it because that libertarian was pandering the wrong message or you're doing it because those minds have been changed. And the and once those minds are changed, it really doesn't matter if a libertarian gets elected because they're going to put that pressure on every Democrat and every Republican to say, hey, we want these policies, too. We want the government to have less control. We want the government to stop robbing us. We want the government to start stealing our options away and denying us access to to health care and medication through through all these regulations. And when people start saying that, the Democrats and the Republicans are going to have to give in. And when the when the libertarians are the only ones saying, yeah, we need to end the war on drugs, we need to get rid of these regulations, and we've been saying it for 40 years, that's when people are going to come. And it's not just going to be one president getting elected. They're going to abandon all these other Democrats and Republicans um, because they're going to say, well, yeah, these guys have been saying it, and we get it now. So I don't care if it's a wasted vote. I'm passionate about this, and I'm willing to waste that vote on this party. And that's that's the way forward. That's the way to actually make this win. Because ultimately, you know, a, a lot of people think if if you know if we just put the imagine this, right? You've got Coca Cola and you've got Pepsi, and then you've got let's say like what's what's like some no name brand of cola, right? RC Cola, go for it. I, I was going to go worse than that. RC is already well known, <laughs> um, but. Is why isn't RC Cola winning the election? Why isn't it in every vending machine? Why isn't it the most popular? Is it because they don't have the right flavor? Like, is it really a matter of, you know what, if we could steal Coca-Cola's formula and if we could make like, like, you know, RC classic, like, oh my God, people will go crazy over this and we'll finally, we'll finally dominate the market. No, absolutely not. It has nothing to do with the flavor. It has to do with the fact that Pepsi and Coca-Cola have spent billions of dollars on marketing, research, and advertising to make sure that they are everywhere. Everybody knows who they are. They've got brand loyalty and all these other things. And the Libertarian Party is not doing that. And if the, the Democrats and the Republicans absolutely are. And if the Libertarian Party itself is not, 
It doesn't matter how good or credible or libertarian the candidate is. That's not going to happen. All you're doing is changing minds and maybe waking up a handful of people here and there. Yep. And, and so, to, yeah. So, well, to clarify too, make sure I'm, I'm you know, not saying the wrong thing. So I, I'm not saying um, success would be that from an electoral perspective, right? Because I mean, I'm saying more of the both camps. I, I think you can you can do both. I, th- I think you can have a little bit more electoral success in terms of actually bringing people over to the, the to actually vote that one time. But I think if you have somebody who can also, you know, speak the message to the average person, I think then you can also do, you know, also the, the part you're talking about, changing the hearts and minds. And, and I mean, that's, that's, I think what the ultimate goal is. I think that's why somebody like a Ron Paul was so successful because not only was he, you know, having the, the ability to run a, a strong electoral campaign in the GOP primaries, but he was able to win people over with his arguments. I mean, the fact that there were college kids talking about ending the Fed in 2012 is insane. Um, but it right. speaks to that he 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 was actually winning people over with a, a strong principled position. And I think you know the the point I'm making with Amash is not so much um you know that it would just be a strictly you know try to win um, people over because he was an establishment you know I say establishment because he was in the government figure, but because he has the ability to also talk about libertarian values um in a way that I think would. Um, give the principled libertarian take while also maybe giving the people who are weary to libertarians because of the caricature that we've been personified as. You know, the, the you know, w- w- what are we? We're the, the naked guy dancing on stage. We're the, where is Aleppo? We're the, you know, go, just go down the, you know, the, whatever the, the generalization is of a libertarian. That's what we are personified as. Justin breaks that mold while also um, being able to speak the message. And, and I think that's the, the point I'm trying to make overall is not so much a, you know, who's going to be the most libertarian or who's going to be the best messenger, but who maybe can check the most boxes to be the the best candidate, right? And I think what you're doing in reaching out to the left and the right, especially the, the GOP and Democratic voters, is something that when, I mean, candidly, when I was listening to the debate um, between you and the other four candidates, I mean, there wasn't really anybody who was taking that position. And I think that's something that you're doing that, I mean, is so necessary because at the end of the day, you know, we, we will win by the people who are more politically engaged, not those politically apathetic. And unfortunately, the politically engaged people right now are the people in the Democrats and the Republican party, because at the end of the day, people like to vote for winners and they've been the ones who've been winning the past, you know, 200, 300, uh, 200 plus years, um, going on 300 years now. Um, and it's the fact that, you know, the libertarian party, unfortunately, in our 40 some odd years of, of, you know, being a political party, really don't have too much political success. So I'm hoping that, you know, as we, you know, change more people's hearts and minds, we'll get some more people in elected office. Hopefully, you know, more Congress people like Justin Amash or more people who are running for local offices and such. Um, but with that being said, Dan Taxationist, Theft Berman, uh, I want to give you the last word. So if folks want to, uh, to learn more about the Dan Taxationist, Theft Berman campaign, uh, where can they go ahead and find that? But also, um, some, some, you know, last words to why, uh, as you go towards the, uh, the May convention, Dan Taxationist, Theft Berman should be the, the fate for the Libertarian Party as we approach the election in 2020? Sure. So uh, my website is berman2020.com. It's B-E-H-R-M-A-N-2020.com. I know I have to spell it. Um, I just have one of those names. Um, <laughs> what, <laughs> so if you go there, uh, you'll find all kinds of information about the platform. Um, you'll see a lot of the things that we have. Um, the New American Dream will be added there soon. We're working on a really awesome video to explain how that works and what it is. Um, there's links to all of the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. YouTube's got tons and tons of videos. I have my own podcast there, um, which has a lot of really great information. And I usually end with this. 
Um, I want to say, and, and this this relates very much to the same thing uh, we were talking about earlier. Um, real change comes from within. So we have to stop viewing this as we're trying to win freedom from the government. We're trying to convince these politicians that they have taken too much power from us and they should give a little bit back. That's not going to happen. We need to start understanding that we are free. We need to understand in our own minds that we are free. And once we start doing that, we'll recognize the government for what it is, not the person, not the not the entity that gives us freedom or gives us rights, but the entity that's standing in the way of us exercising those rights. And when we have that mindset, we'll be able to to point at them and say, get out of my way. We demand that you let us exercise our freedoms. And that is a much stronger sentiment, much stronger statement um, and, and grows a much stronger gathering for people to to get behind to actually make that happen. And that's really where it needs to come from. Um, so, uh, so many examples. Bob Marley's got a song where he says, emancipate yourself from mental slavery because none but ourselves can free our own minds. He's saying the same thing. Uh, uh, Harriet Tubman, um, she said, I freed a thousand slaves and I could have freed a thousand more if only they knew they were slaves. And that's that's really the situation we're in now. There are a lot of people, libertarians even, and this has this has been a real struggle for me um, when I'm saying, hey, let's get out there and protest these lockdowns. There are so many libertarians that are like, well, the government says it's not safe to leave our house yet. And you just want to get everybody sick. So everybody's going to die. So I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to stand by your side and protest. And these are libertarians saying this libertarians who are afraid to to do drive by protests where they just drive around and honk or whatever or get out and, and keep the social distance and keep their masks on. Um, they are they are living in fear of what the government is going to do to them or what the government has um, has has painted in their mind as the picture of what's going on outside of their homes, which is absolutely not true. People are living in fear. Libertarians are living in fear, afraid to leave their homes. Um, even, even just, and, and, you know, okay, yeah, going to a protest might put you at higher risk. A lot of them are afraid to leave their homes and just walk around the block and not engage with anybody, not touch anything, just be alone, step outside and do a little bit of walking, get some fresh air. They're afraid of that. And they're afraid of what the, the a lot of it is just government propaganda. But if people cannot free themselves in their own minds, we are absolutely subject to government control. Whatever they say, it doesn't matter. They they realize through this exercise, all they have to tell us is there's some there's some big danger out there that you can't even see. And therefore, you should lock yourself in your home until we tell you it's OK to come out and people will do it. That is extremely dangerous. It is the new American dream, and he is Dan Taxation is Theft Berman, and I will include all the links to uh, Dan's social media as well as to his website in the show notes. But that being said, Dan Taxation is Theft Berman, thank you so much for joining the Brian Nichols Show, and best of luck as we uh, wrap up this very, very uh, long, but I think very fun um, process of the uh, the Libertarian uh, primaries. Uh, so, sir, best of luck with you, and uh, we'll definitely be uh, looking forward to having you on the show, uh, regardless of what the future holds. Uh, Dan Taxation as Theft Berman always has a, a friend here in the Brian Nichols Show. Awesome. Thanks for having me. 
Alrighty, folks, so that's gonna wrap up my conversation with the one and only Dan Taxation is Theft Berman, and I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. So, a little housekeeping going forward. Yes, I mentioned it last week, and I still, I promise, I have so many interviews ready to drop here for you guys. Um, and I mentioned him, I'll name off again, Kingdom Dunham, Mark Whitney, uh, Bill Ottman from Minds.com. Uh, it, guys, a lot of great shows, and also a, a great uh, stand-up comedian show with uh, Adam Nutter, uh, which is an explicit show, so I'll make sure I put a note for that for the folks of you who listen to it with your kids. Um, but with that being said, folks, please be sure to keep an eye out for some special episodes dropping here and there throughout the week. Um, because I want to make sure, especially for the Libertarian presidential candidates, I get them your way before uh, we head towards the uh, convention here at the end of May. So with that being said, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please do me a favor, share with family and friends, and uh, you can go ahead and tag me over on social media at B Nichols Liberty, both on Twitter. Facebook, and now introducing Minds.com. That's right, I told you. I'm verified over there. Thank you, Bill Ottman. Uh, so Minds.com, and again, be sure to look for that interview with uh, the one and only Bill Ottman here coming on the Brian Nichols Show very, very soon. Um, and also, folks, head over to uh, Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and review. It is how uh, the the not only the Brian Nichols Show, but also organizations I'm a part of, like the We Are Libertarians Network, um, reach more people. And right now, we need to reach more people, especially uh, in, in a time when you know people are looking for that third option. So, uh, you know, just with that being said, just look at what we're we're able to accomplish it. We are libertarians. We are now partnering uh, with going forward Reason Magazine right now uh, and the LP of I believe it's Kentucky to uh, to uh, help co-moderate the uh, the libertarian debate there um, for the the, the candidate seeking the presidential nomination. So that's cool. The fact that the We Are Libertarians organization is uh, not only uh, being able to have a part like that, but also uh, co-moderating with such an organization like Reason. Um, it's it's because you guys and you guys going and giving us those five star reviews um, and and writing those awesome awesome reviews. That's Again, what moves us uh, to the head of the uh, the libertarian line, if you will, when people are looking for podcasts, and that's why people look to us first and foremost when they're looking to uh, get some trusted trusted expert uh, expert opinion. Can we say expert opinion? Well, damn, I've been politics my whole life. I'll call myself an expert. Why not? So I said enough, guys. It's been a blast. Thanks again for joining us here on the Brian Nichols Show. And like I said, and be sure to keep an eye open for all those upcoming episodes that are going to be dropping here over the next few weeks. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on the Brian Nichols Show for Dan Tax Station is Theft Berman. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.